0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Ways of Working podcast. I am your host Adam Thackeray. I want to thank you again for listening in. We would greatly appreciate it. Uh, if you haven't tuned into our previous episodes, I highly encourage you uh, going back to have a listen. Uh, but without further ado, let's get started. Today's episode is focused on communities of practice. Uh, a really great quote I saw come across uh, one of my feeds the other day was, alone we can do so little and together we can do so much by Helen Keller. It's it's a fitting quote and a perfect quote because the world has obviously you know, come together to look to solve COVID and all the challenges around it, uh, come to a vaccine, help each other out, help uh, individuals who are, are in greater need and help. And so it, it speaks to a lot of different ways. And so I thought it'd be very fitting as well for growing communities and communities within organizations specifically. You know, so as the world adjusts to these new ways of working or to a new way of working, there's an increased reliance, obviously, on technology to keep us connected. That's no secret there. Tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people have have moved to a remote working uh, environment because of uh, COVID and what this also brings about is that there's a greater need for digital communities. Now you can see these in social circles. They've already existed for some time. Fitness communities, you think of, you know, the Nike workouts communities, Fitbit communities, and there's many more Uh, local groups are starting to obviously use you know, social media platforms such as Facebook and others as, as greater means of establishing community and, and tribes of people, if you will, um, you know, including Zoom, Facebook, LinkedIn, you know, and there's many more that come along with it. And, you know, while this happens in the world around us, the majority of organizations and businesses themselves have not created or invested in building out communities of practice you know we, we live in the age of software and most organizations are reliant on software to deliver their core products and services to their customers whether it be platforms whether it be niche services whether it be something as simple as a chatbot um, or back-end processing of a system or back-end processing of a, of an insurance claim for example you know majority majority of organizations today they rely on software we're in the age of it we've been for quite some time now and where we're at is that digital transformation is going to exist. It's a bit of a buzzword that you've heard over a long while, um, but it's happening. And so that reliance on working together more collaboratively because of the distributed workforce is of greater need. Now, the problem with this whole situation is most are not ready. Most organizations are not ready, like whatsoever. There's been a, a huge you know, crisis moment uh, at the you know, outset of COVID and continuing forward that you know, because transformations don't happen overnight. And the problem is is that you need your organization to be able to mobilize and, and adapt and communities are what help do this because they organically help the organization shift to the new ways of working. It's an adoption mechanism, it's organic, psychologically safe area. And but we can see like in the latest Accelerate Dora State of DevOps report, so this is a report that's produced year over year by some very talented individuals who have are now part of Google and 73% of low performing organizations, they haven't even built communities or use them to adapt to their and grow their businesses. And the inverse of that is fifty-seven percent of elite performing organizations. These are high-performing organizations. Invest in communities of practice and growth. So the Dora report—it's you know six plus years and then and then some worth of data. So they've done the diligence, and and it's very evident that one, um, most organizations are not high-performing, uh, and they could be. Uh, two, that communities can be used as a primary driver for digital transformations. For transformations, period. But you know, specifically, obviously, with the age of software and adopting better end-to-end ways to deliver products and services to customers, communities are a number one driver, full stop. So if you are an executive, whether you like it or not, you are obviously smack in the middle of a transformation. Obviously, there's some organizations and executives that are a little more progressive. They've understood it. They've already mobilized and done this. For the rest of you, if you are, you know, you're in this age of software, you're likely experiencing a tremendous amount of pain right now. Pain in the form of adopting to a remote, fragmented, distributed workforce. you know while resilience through transformations depends on many factors again there's abundance of data to support that communities is this number one mechanism you can use it you can create a digital presence you can use mechanisms such as zoom uh, live conference sessions there, there's many very tactical ways to support a long-term plan that you can utilize to institute a community now so that when you get back to possibly a you know a, a mixed or blended workforce where part of the time is it face-to-face a lot of it is distributed then you have this community you've established it in this remote way and then it can only grow flourish and strengthen once you are closer together and, and you start to evolve it and you know why are communities so effective well and you know I have built them before and, and they have been very effective um, because they're organic in nature you actually see it you see people in the way they react when they get together and they get to solve problems together and you see the common passions that people share whether it be about problems or solutions they've implemented it's quite remarkable where I've I've sat in the room and seen two individuals in two different parts of a very large organization have the exact same problem with the exact same you know potential outcomes and they have never talked to each other in you know the years and years that they have both spent independently at this organization. And so you can see that by having a community, those people can talk, they can solve problems together. And that's the power of the, the, the network and, and the community. They're typically formed from, again, a few people with a common purpose, passion, or practice, and then it catches fire or growth or you know, injection through greater participation contribute, you know, contributions, collaboration, engagement. People might be developing you know, internal uh, solutions. A big piece of this in larger organizations where it can be more challenging to get off the ground, um, you, know, you can start it organically, but you do need influential executive support. Let's be very clear, large, behemoth, traditional organizations, always need some sort of executive presence, whether it's an influencer, uh, an injection of funding, uh, there could be a number of uh, you know mechanics to help support it. Um, but in the end, you need uh, executive presence to support the community, especially in the beginning until it becomes self-sufficient and there's enough growth and, and awareness of it uh, that it is self-sustaining. Because until that time, there are so many other things going on within an organization that you know getting a community off the ground can be a big challenge if you do not have that influential executive as support now this individual will be a well connected well respected and influential executive that can help with growth and adoption whether it be introduction of networking attending you know meetups attending discussions participating but again uh, they they want to be able to show that the leadership believes in the approach of the community yet they remain at a distance where it's a supportive and, and participation capacity You don't want it to appear that is a top-down approach because that's the complete opposite of what a community is supposed to be. It's supposed to be an organic network, not a top-down hierarchical structure. So you might the hierarchical structure is more focused around things such as a center of excellence, which has been used in transformations and is typically a mandated top-down approach uh, when utilized. So why are communities of practice so valuable? Uh, One, they are created out of an innate motivation to share, educate, Learn and contribute. Uh, as I said before, they're meant to be a psychologically safe ecosystem where people can feel comfortable to share ideas. Uh, you know, debate, go through solutions. You know, debate and arguing and, and you know that that you know positive conflict, if you will, is very advantageous because it challenges individuals to think a little differently. And so you can actually get better solutions that come out of it. You're not looking to have consensus on something. You're looking to have agreement to potentially disagree on things, but note that it's you know, shifting towards a better solution or, or a particular outcome. You know, so it shifts mindsets and behaviors and you're empowering individuals to take positive action within the organization. You can inspire innovation that comes of it. If you're giving people the tools and the mechanics and, and the room to actually innovate, you know, time is a big piece, then that speaks volumes, right? That motivates individuals to wanna do things, to to build positive solutions. You know, productivity increases because you're getting rid of waste and undesirable work. The community will give back to the organization and and people don't wanna do things that are a waste of their time. They wanna get rid of that. They wanna automate it, get rid of it, make it more efficient, find better ways of doing things. Smart, motivated people do not like to waste time. And so you get a, a group of smart people together, that's very positive. And profitability, profitability will spike and increase because they're solving big problems together that will lead to advancements in products and services in the organization. And the last one is relationships. So like I said before, um, you have people that have never talked to each other, ever in the organization. They could both have been there for a decade, highly intelligent individuals solving similar problems or dealing with similar issues, similar relationship challenge, similar you know technological challenge, process challenges, and they've never talked they've never spoke they've never had a chance to work together and so the power of that is quite phenomenal because I have seen individuals like that talk to each other work together and then they have an alignment they have a trust between each other they can now rely on each other for knowledge and experience and you know bouncing ideas off of one another they can you know grow the numbers in terms of getting adoption for something so if they're looking for support and they both agree on support of that solution or, or that idea, then they can move forward with it. Um, so there's a lot of you know big things that can come out of it. Now building communities, they're actually pretty easy. Well they're they're simple in terms of the steps to get them started, right? So what it, it, nothing is truly easy because you do have to work at it. So there's some core phases that you know you're gonna want to look at for building out communities. The first one is there's like a preparatory phase where you know you're getting that group of people together You're identifying who might be the head or the community manager. Yeah, you'll need one of these out of the gate. Um, Whether it's a role you rotate, if there's not a dedicated person, but either way, you're going to need somebody uh, on point to look after and manage and shepherd the community. You're gonna need a vision. So, you know, it's purpose, the why. If you hear Simon Sinek, what's the why of it? Uh, Some outcomes, you you need to be able to track and trace the value of this, right? Especially if you're gonna be looking for investment from executives to fund these things, because some events and if you wanna have outside individuals come in, and just overall time and energy that you wanna have, you wanna be able to measure the success of it because otherwise it's very hard to quantify and qualify value down the road. And you know, again, so you'll need some measurements. Upon launch, now that you're in a distributed workforce, obviously you want some sort of digital presence. So you hear about the use of things like Teams and Slack and other web presence now, use tools that your organization already has. Don't try to implement something new Use what you have. If there is a time where you, want, you know, down the road where you want to adopt a new technology because you feel there will be value, then look at that. But the introduction of, two, of new technologies to an organization is its own you know, great feat, if you will. Um, so it's much better to get started using whatever it is that exists. And, and it's the essence of the community and the mechanics around it that you'll just use the, the technology and, and, and adapt from there. So, governance, you need to understand who's doing what. So, who's doing what in the zoo, who's who in the zoo, frequency of meetups, frequency of who's going to be contributing content, all those sort of pieces. You need to have communication. So, you know, when you're going to launch, how you're going to launch it, who's going to be engaged, are you going to have some, you know, formal change management pieces in it? Is it going to be more of an informal lunch and learns and things like that? So, you want to keep that in mind. You're going to have some sort of roadmap. So, what are you going to be doing over the next 12 months? Again, you're, you're building a community. You need to have a vision and a plan and a path, so that the community can surra- you know, get around that and understand it and say, okay, here, this is. We see this going somewhere. It's just not an idea. It's spun up and then it dies off, which happens quite often in large organizations. But if there's a plan, there's a roadmap, there's a commitment. You have ways to drive engagement and marketing. Then those are big pieces. And then after you get it started, you're going to get into, you know, the the nurturing phase and the growth phase. So you're going to look to partner with others, you're going to have informal learning through it. So you're going to build a bunch of channels and mechanics for people to learn. You'll have problem solving and contributing back to the organization. So I mentioned before, people, similar circumstances, similar patterns of issues or or occurrences in the organization, they can look to utilize that to have conversation about it. They can teach each other things. They can grow from each other. They can also solve problems together. Um, Also for growth, you know, you can start to have right now because you're remote, You might have online events so you've heard of people getting on zoom and having uh sessions there that are live and but if you're tired of you know video fatigue that's happening right now then have a simple conference call they 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 don't have to be complex they can be a half an hour phone call with the community get it started understand what the the agenda is always have an agenda for any session you're having very focused agenda understand the flow of it, understand what's gonna happen, allow for time for things to to, you know go sideways a little bit, but you need to have plans. So Events are good, you want to institute feedback loops. So feedback loops are a way of communicating. Um, So what you want for this for example is say a product manager is wanting to improve the product and they are coming to the community and they might talk with a few engineers and then they might solicit feedback by running through a few different exercises with them. Or they might run through some trial and errors. You might have a hackathon, for example, is as a, as, you know, a way that used to be for you get feedback loops on you know, the use of a system or the, you know, the use of maybe the tool sets or the mechanics at the organization. Uh, other ways to do it is actually go talk to the end user. You know, who are, who's your customer? Have the engineers actually talk to the customers so they get that sort of interaction. And so you could bring customers in to visit the community, talk about it, and then you get that collaborative interaction. Um, other simple feedback loops are things like surveys and, and things like that. If you're interested, let me know. And you know, we can always talk more about that. Uh, other pieces are like influencer network growth. So you want to you want to have a series of evangelists. So this goes back to kind of the roles and responsibilities. Eventually, as your community grows, you're going to have different parts of the organization participating, and you're going to want to leverage those individuals' networks. So it's, again, if you found the community, if, say, a group of people found the community valuable, who are their first three to five friends or colleagues that they would tell about this community that they would invite them to and then participate so then you have that you know spanning of the network effect that will allow the growth and it's again it's organic it's informal and to be honest the effort becomes very trivial in that regard because people want to tell others about it and then you start to see the exponential growth behind it Uh, and then you know as you're doing that you can start to socialize it within your organization as well whether that's doing formal presentations about it whether you're advertising on you know the the corporate networks you know there's different obviously tools for doing social interaction and discussion simple as websites and older tools such as Yammer or if you're getting into more modern mechanics again, Slack, Teams, uh, any sort of web or mobile interface again, or, or web or mobile app. So there, there's many different ways to communicate, but the big piece is socialization and get people talking about it all the time. <clears throat> and so once that growth takes place, it'll just continue to grow and, and you'll see the, the positive returns on it. All right, so I gave you a whole ton of information about communities, why they're great, how to build them within organizations. Communities are nothing new. Communities and tribes have been around since the dawn of time. Um, but it's very interesting to see uh, their use within organizations, and it, it's even more remarkable that very few organizations invest in it. But they, you know, the the value of them is there, and the data supports it. So, you know, I would be very interested to understand, you know, from the audience. Have you set up a community or are our communities thriving in your organization? If so, or do you see benefit to them being, you know, implemented and, and invested in a little bit more? And so anyway, so that's it for today. It's meant to be a, a quick run through. So, you know, a very short, um, short podcast today, but I think it's a valuable one. I think it's a, an excellent piece. I've wanted to talk about this for a while and, and I do love communities and, and building them. So let me know your feedback and we'll talk soon.